The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. You're listening to Just Some Podcasts, and here's your hosts, Ben and Tom. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another exciting, death-defying, just all-out fun episode of Just Some Podcasts for Advanced Practitioners. Tom, how are you, bud? So far, so good. Just a quick apology to everybody that's listening tonight. I think I have a head cold, so if I sound a little terrible, it's all Kyle, the sound engineer's fault for not fixing it. But other than that, I'm doing okay. Uh, What's new with you? Maybe you have influenza. You know what? Maybe I do have the influenza. If there was only a dedicated episode of some non-award-winning podcast that I could listen to, To get some more information on that, I would just be so happy if I could find that. We'll have Sam check on that, see if he can find something. Yeah, Sam, get on that. Stop shaking your head no, Sam. But honestly, no, I'm pretty good. You know, we had some things come up, and life happened, so we weren't able to get an episode out last week, and we kind of wanted to push it off and do a special Halloween episode anyway. But, you know, I I missed recording and bullshitting with you and coming out with interesting stuff to talk about. Believe it or not, have had a couple people... Message me and were like, hey, what's the deal? They were actually looking forward to a message. I was like, listen here, mom, I'll get to it when I get to it. You just stop with the, the harassment. It's great that your mom supports us like that, though, you know? We appreciate that. Someday my mom is going to hear one of these things and go, I have never listened to this. What is he talking about? So <laughs> You'll be in trouble. Yeah, she still calls me by my middle name. Well, somebody has to. But, you know, we are recording on... Uh, a few nights before Halloween, and the World Series actually just ended about 10 minutes ago. So congratulations to the Boston Red Sox. I do have several fans that are Red Sox fans, and uh, I can't wait to text them all how they just got lucky and just <laughs> keep them fired up. Just keep them fired up for the next 365 days. That's what you do, though. And I'm sure they appreciate well, I'm sure they appreciate it as well. As a Browns fan, I really don't have much else to do, and Ohio State surely let me down last week, so... Yeah, that was bad. Oh, it was bad. And, um, you know, I'm not one of those guys I try and come down on my sports teams too hard, especially kids in college. Uh, guys, if anybody from Ohio State happens to listen to this, I know you're not going to, but if you did, look, I still love you. I don't know what happened, but I hope we fix it, and I hope we have a great rest of the year. So let's just try for that. I'm really surprised that your head didn't explode. Or your heart, one of the two. Well, uh, standard stroke prevention now in my household is if that starts happening, we just turn the game off. So that's what we did about the beginning of the fourth quarter. Saved everybody a lot of heartache. And then you drink eight ounces of water, and you stick needles in your fingers. Well, that's how you prevent stroke, right? I mean, if only there was some non-award-winning episode of a podcast I could find with this information to help me out. If only we could find them on social media. If only. And Ben, you said the magic word, social media. I did. So, if you want to reach out to us on social media, 
If you want to join the car conversation, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. We're also on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com, or you can email us, admin, at justsomepodcast.com. Swear to, pe- swear to God, people, you should see the gleam in his eye when he gets to say that. I, I think it's the highlight of his day. And to keep it out there, to stay on this uh, vibe, the Amazon affiliate link is on our social media and our website. If you want to help us out when you order anything off Amazon, it costs you nothing. And it gives a little money to our program, so I hope so we can reinvest that money back into the show. That's right. All you got to do is scroll down to the bottom of our website, www.justsomepodcast.com. Down at the bottom, you'll see your little Amazon banner. Click that and do your normal shopping. You get to do all your Amazon shopping, and you get to help us out. I'm just waiting to fight off the prices Right when they need a new announcer. I'm just saying. Isn't he the best, folks? <laughs> so, Ben, uh, we have a rarity. We have a double storage you might have missed. So earlier, uh, actually mid-last week, the president signed into law a bill that states that patients with life-threatening illnesses can bypass FDA approval and try experimental drugs if it has a chance of helping them in their illness, which I think personally is a great thing. It's been going on around the rest of the world for quite a while, and while I completely appreciate the FDA I, I think this is a good thing. Uh, you can't do it with everything. According to the article, it states that it does still have to pass the phase one trials for safety, but before final uh, permission is granted by the FDA, that if a patient with a diagnosis that is life-threatening can petition the drug makers and then begin uh, taking the medication. See, in the story I read about that, and I don't remember where I'd read it at, so I do apologize for that, was that people could already apply for that, and about 80 to 90% of those get approved. So I think this will just continue to help the other 10%. But, you know, for people who have horrible illnesses... You know, that may be a, a shining light, I guess. True. And and I did see that there was something already in place where they could do some petition that they made it seem like, I want to say this was NBC or CNBC, that the article that was sent to me, by the way, big shout out to Kyle, if you're listening, not our sound engineer, he never helps me out. But one of our listeners, first name Kyle, sent me this in a message and said, hey, I I really think this is something interesting, and I hope you cover it on your show. So thanks, Kyle. But basically, the story and the link that he sent to me made it sound like, yes, there was something in place, but this really is going to streamline it and make it more available to more patients. So it just kind of cuts out some of the bureaucratic red tape. I, I not a big person on how things work, and, you know, I'm I'm think safety is a great thing, but I'm really glad that they're giving people in these situations that option. No, I agree. You want to jump into our other story that we may have missed? Well, jumping in is probably not the word I would use, but go ahead. How about diving in? I like diving in. <laughs> well, still, that's uh, okay. Go ahead. Dive on in. Well, I got a story of a stolen colon. This is... Dun-dum-dum... The University of Kansas Cancer Center had their giant inflatable colon stolen recently. I believe it was on October 18th. So it is uh, 10 foot long and about 150 pound giant colon. <laughs> Can you imagine the amount of shit those guys got? Ha ha. See what I did there, people? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a big walk-through colon. Oh, and there is a reward, Tom. So if you find an, a giant inflatable colon, then there is a $1,000 reward that you can get if you were to turn that in. I was going to say, a lifetime supply of Metamucil. <laughs> so if any of our listeners out there happened upon a giant 10-foot-long, 150-pound inflatable colon, it might be stolen and stolen from KU. So turn that in. I just want to find the person who was like, I was on Craigslist for a giant inflatable colon. Don't worry, nothing bad was going to happen. And then I found this. Like, please explain that one to me. See, I, when I initially read the story back on the 18th or 19th, whatever it was that it first came out, I thought, okay, you know what? This sounds like some high school prank or maybe like, you know, a, a rival college prank. Haha, ha, kind of funny stuff. But I mean, now we're several weeks into it and they still have not returned the, uh, the colon. So maybe it's more than that. So would you call those guys a bunch of assholes that stole the colon? I certainly would. And they they dove right into it, right? They dove right into that colon and they got it. They did. And maybe it's that upset of some haunted house somewhere, like, oh, here's a colon. And then I'd come out and say, that's the shittiest haunted house I've ever been in. The puns just write themselves, don't they? Well, you know... Again, uh, every so many episodes, we like to have a fun episode like this. I mean, we try and always have fun, but this is going to be, to me, this is going to be a super fun episode. It's coming out on Halloween, and we're covering, should, should we start, Ben? Should we just cover what this episode is? I think so, yeah. So this episode is with some help from some listener suggestions, but mostly just creepy and eerie old school medical devices, uh, procedures, and, and other weird medical facts that we could find that we thought were you know Halloween related. This is my favorite time of the year, so I plan on having a good time with this episode. Yeah, I know we kind of referenced it uh, in a few episodes about you know some of the old-timey stuff and kind of getting the kick out of it. And so we thought, why not just compile a whole bunch of these stories and just talk about how medicine was hundreds and hundreds of years ago and kind of get a get a good laugh out of it. And then said in 200 years from now, people will be looking at what we do and laugh at what we do. So, Oh, no. I, I fully expected not even to be 200 years. I bet you like 30 years from now, they're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. You used to rip the heart out of somebody else and then put it in a different person. And we'll be like, yeah, it worked. And that's what we're going to, you know, they'll be like, why didn't you just, and then they'll talk about whatever technology they have. And I'll be like, well, we didn't have that. Look at you foreshadowing to future episodes. That was good. Nice. Nice segue into future episodes, Tom. Nostra Thomas. Boom. <laughs> Hashtag. Nostra Thomas. Hashtag. Hashtag Noster Thomas. Mmm. Oh boy, it's gonna be your <laughs> the editing crew is gonna have a blast tonight. I can tell you that already. Kyle, put down the beer. See, he's already beating his head against the glass, so Sam, I think, has just given up. He's just over there chain smoking and pacing around in circles. Well, Tom, you wanna jump into it? I sure do, because Ben, uh the the first thing that I found and it's it's a doozy. Like, it actually made me cringe when I was reading it. And I'm going to butcher this name. So if there's anybody out there that wants to try and correct me, don't, because I don't care. But I think it's called Plombage. P-L-O-M-B-A-G-E. This was a pre-1930s procedure for treating tuberculosis. All right? So we're already talking not good. Yeah. I mean, getting diagnosed with tuberculosis is probably going to be a little damper on your day. <laughs> The old consumption, they used to call it. So what they do is they, they did at least figure out, we'll give them credit for this, right? So they at least figured out, hey, uh, this stuff seems really bad for your lungs. Valid. 
yeah, bonus points. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So they figured out if it's bothering your lungs, we just got to treat your lungs. So they would make <clears throat> a series of incisions. And I, I saw multiple different ways that this was completed, people. So again, bear with me. But basically, they would make an incision into your pleural cavity and then insert a material. Uh, the one I saw most often was acrylic uh, balls, like the size of golf balls, and purposely deflate a lung, keeping the packaging material inside your chest cavity under the premise it would let that lung heal. Like, it would like basically let your lung rest. So it's like a little lung vacation. Yo, yeah, yeah, you have two, right? So, <laughs> well, hell, you only need one to breathe, so just give the other one a little Yeah. Breath. Yeah, exactly. So they would cut you open. They'd stuff these materials or acrylic balls into your chest, deflating your lung, and then sew you back up with the material inside to give you a little lung vacation. That took a lot of balls. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I was hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> so the the problem is, besides the fact that, A, we know that isn't going to work, it also led to the fact uh, a lot of times it just caused infection. <laughs> so not only do you have tuberculosis, now you have a raging infection from your lung being deflated and you only have one functioning lung. Yeah. I kind of see, you know, looking back now, that, that does sound like maybe not the best idea. No, but again, I, I, I will give them credit. This was all pre 1930s from what I can see. And starting in thirties through the fifties, they start going, Hey, we really don't think that's a good idea. And so they stopped. But still, they, they still have museums with sets of these plumbage balls. Plumbage balls. There's a hashtag for you. <laughs> Lot, this is going to be a hashtag episode. I can tell. Uh, but yeah, so plumbage. First one off the bat. Cutting you open, stuffing you full of balls so that your uh, lungs won't work on purpose. So there you go. Old timey. Yeah. I, I kind of want to <laughs> go to a museum now and see these balls, you know? If there's one thing Ben wants to see, people, it's large colons and balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to leave that in. Tom. We're leaving that in. Oh, I do. Please do, sir. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, at this point, we could just unedit. Give them the raw. Give them the raw, unedited version. Balls and colons. <laughs> so the first one that I found was uh, not so interesting. Oh, no, no. I I thought it was pretty interesting. Did you know in ancient Egypt, <clears throat> mice were magical, apparently? <laughs> well, they did really like cats, so maybe that's why they liked mice. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, nowadays we look at, you know, mice and we think, oh, these things spread horrible disease. But in ancient Egypt, <laughs> no, no, good sir. We use those to treat diseases. So they would take these dead, rotting mice... They'd mash it into paste. They'd take that and they'd rub it on their teeth for toothaches. Uh, they could rub it on blood vessels to, you know, get rid of some infection, allegedly. Uh, the other thing that I found that was interesting for is if you uh, take the dead, rotting mouse and feed it to your child, it will stop them from, and I quote, pissing the bed. I'm thinking, wow. time that you feed me dead mice, I I'm going to will myself not to piss the bed anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I got this head cold. I, I'm pretty sure I got a, a good ear infection going on. I'm not stuffing a dead mouse in there. <laughs> I don't know, Tom. Maybe it'll work. You should try it. I mean, it worked for the Egyptians. Of course, 
back then they lived till they were like 35. So you're already on borrowed time from ancient Egypt. I'm just wondering, isn't this the same one? Like they thought crocodile dung was like uh, birth control. So, I mean, mice, sure. I mean, what the hell else are they going to do? Well, I mean, I guess if you smell like shit, you're, it's going to be effective birth control. You know, I was just thinking. Back into the model- colon. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, here we go around with colons again. You know, the doctors back then had it so good because, one, they didn't have uh, electronic health records. So that's a bonus. Yeah, they didn't have to click that box. <laughs> and then on top of it, they straight up could just be like, oh, you're going to die. But it's because you pissed off the uh, mouse god. And that's your fault. Boom. There you go. Fix all problems. Now pay me. There you go. Exactly. Uh, give me an extra cat. There you go. Like, I don't know what they got paid with back then. Well, Tom, you got our next one, don't you? Oh, I do. And uh, since I know dentistry is such a favorite of everybody out there, I found a device, this this delightful little thing called a dental key. Now, it doesn't sound that bad right about a dental key. That doesn't sound that bad. Mind no, you, this is... Oh, yeah, no, dental key. That sounds great. 1730s is approximately the time that this was most popular, I should say. And there's different devices. So if you Google the image, you're going to see different things. But primarily, it was a little metal pole or rod. At one end was some teeth. And at the other end was a handle that you could rotate. And they would find whatever they believed to be the infected tooth that obviously Ben's mouse remedy didn't fix. Sorry about that. <laughs> and they would put the dental key over the infected tooth and then twist the handle till the teeth grabbed the infected tooth and then essentially just yank on it till it ripped your tooth out. Ow. I bet you that dead mouse isn't looking so bad now. Yeah. If I got to choose between the two, I, I may take the dead rotten mouse. I don't know. That sounds painful as hell. It also mentioned in several articles that this usually led to, one, a broken tooth... <laughs> And two, and two massive soft tissue damage to the gums. So, uh, not a popular. I mean, I'm sure there's some version of that those dentist shoes nowadays because those people are just sadist. But I mean, wow! Can you imagine someone coming at you with a big steel hook for your mouth? I mean, they do have the little like plier things now. So, I mean, I would assume it's probably like you said a, a variation of ancient tools to an extent. Yeah, I mean, as much damage. No, and, and like I said, you, you you really need to Google one of these to to truly get the full effect. Maybe that could be our picture for this episode cover is a picture of a dental key. There you go. But it kind of looks like a meat hook, but at the end of it are three littler teeth so that you can really grind it into something and then just yank it out of someone's face. Now, to be fair... I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I think we've all had patients I'd really like to have used a dental key with. Be nice. So, maybe, uh, I don't know. Edit it out, don't edit it out. At this point, I don't care. But I shouldn't say patients. There's just people in general that I'm like, you deserve a real good dental key. You know what I'm saying? Say, this sounds like a a torture device now. Like That may be something you'd be into. I don't know. Only if I was doing an enhanced interrogation techniques for the CIA. I bet you they had dental keys. Maybe they still do. They just can't, you know, can either confirm or deny that accusation at this time. <laughs> we were just doing it for all the terrorists and their dental hygiene. Oh. So, Ben, I, I I know what's coming up next, and I'm kind of excited to hear you talk about it. Excited. Ooh, it's electrifying. 
I got a, I got a real tingle. I got a real tingle going on. I bet you do got a real tingle going on. Well, I'm going to take you back to about 1890, Tom. Victorian tool for everything. I like how it's a tool. So this is the electric penis belt. Yeah, we're 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 going there, Tom. So the actual ad Col- colons and penises all night, people. And balls. Don't forget the balls. <laughs> There's an Adam Sandler line there about you know. Don't forget to cup the balls. But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, this may be our last episode, Tom. Maybe we get thrown off. The podcast. <laughs> 1892, Seattle, Washington is where actually the. Uh, the article or the ad that I'm looking at is Dr. Sandin's Electric Belt and Suspensory for Weak Men. So if you're a weak man, this helped you. This was, uh, if you're debilitated and you're suffering from uh, seminal weakness and nervous debility, impotency, it's this little belt that you wear around and you uh, slide your manhood into the electrical part and a little electroshock therapy and, uh, yeah, it's supposed to help cure what ails you. So let me get this straight. You're already dealing with the fact that you have impotence. And for a lot of guys, that's a hard thing to deal with. So to fix it, we're going to shock them. I mean, I guess some guys would be like, hey, I guess if it's going to work, I, I'm willing to do anything if you know it'll help uh, help that particular appendage grow. Yeah, I don't. I guess I would just look at the wife and be like, you need to try harder or something. I don't know. It's not my fault. I'm not shocking it. There you go. Do you have any uh, stats on if it was effective? I don't have any stats on the effectiveness. I do have tons of uh, different ones. There's Dr. McLaughlin's electric belt, Dr. Bell's electric belt. Uh, hell, everybody apparently had an electric belt that they'd sell you. This particular one has a guarantee, Tom, a guarantee that if it does not work, they will forfeit $5,000, which, hell, back in that time was probably quite a bit of money. Well, hell, that's still quite a bit of money. But, uh, yeah, there's... Here, oh, here's one for the Boston Electric Belt. And they all look the same basic premise. It's a belt that you wear that's got a little uh, electrode at the end of it that is circular, which, uh, you know, you can put two and two together there for uh, what you're supposed to do. And you just electrify your little man, and I guess that makes him stand up. I mean, I guess, you know, if you think about it, Tom, think about what something looks like when they're electrocuted. Everything gets, you know... Tasers, Tom. Tasers, you've been tasered. I have been. Were you stiff? And I don't mean there, I just mean in general. Let me clarify. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no. Y- your body locks up. It's like getting hit by a thousand midget clowns at the same time. It's unbearable. So now, you know, maybe that's where this uh, premise comes from. If uh, we shoot electricity through little Tom, uh, maybe he's going to, you know, get stiff, so to speak. You know, I have... Uh... Me and little Tom, we've been good friends now for 38 years. I uh, I don't imagine that he would much appreciate this, him or the twins. Uh, well, I bet not. But yeah, well, Cur- Colonel Sugar Lemon and Trevette would not appreciate being anywhere near the damage that an electric belt is going to give out. I... If you guys could only see Ben right now, he is literally <laughs> like not breathing. So I just can't believe you said the name of your balls on this podcast. Uh, you've known me, yeah, uh, Ben. You know me long enough now. I don't know why that this seems like a bad idea. I know everybody that 
be worked with new names, so I guess. Yeah, now the uh, an international audience now knows about uh, Colonel Sugar Lemon and Trevet. Yeah. Uh, there's some guy right now in Brazil going, Trevet? Who's Trevet? Yeah. Tell him now. Go ahead. No, no, they can figure it out. If they want to know, they can they can message us. I'll explain it right there. But yeah, Colonel Sugar Lemon and Trevet, those are the two guys. That's that's who I hang out with. I'm just telling you right now though, Ben, going back to what we were talking about, um there's no way I'm sticking any of this in an electric belt. I don't even like getting shocked by like static. So I don't think I'm gonna put my junk in a belt. That's just not gonna happen. They still don't. They don't sell them now. So I guess apparently wasn't uh, as effective. We've you know learned about things like Viagra. So why don't you jump into our next one before we get thrown off the uh, before we get thrown off Apple iTunes for explicit content? I am sure there has been worse shit said <laughs> than than we're talking about naming testicles. But I will be more than happy because this one isn't so much spooky. It was just like, wow, this is uh, just a shocking, something you wouldn't have ever thought of, or at least I would have never thought of. So I'm sure everybody in our crowd is aware of syphilis. So syphilis, everybody knows what that is. So before we start figuring out treatments for syphilis, uh, in 1927, a doctor, again, here comes a name butchering, a Dr. Julius Wagner Yorig, I think I'm saying that correctly, thought to himself, you know, the body really doesn't like to be hot, right? Like, that kills everything else. So why don't I just give people with syphilis malaria, and that'll make them really hot. It'll kill off the syphilis. So what I'm telling you is, is that in 1927, this doctor won the Nobel Peace Prize for figuring out if you gave people with syphilis malaria, it might treat them. See, Thomas, somebody else has won a Nobel Peace Prize that you don't have yet. Okay, I'm still waiting on that call. We don't know that they're not going to call me, Ben. You keep acting like that's impossible. It's not impossible because this guy fucking gave people that were already got syphilis and said, you know what else? I'm going to give you a malaria now. Let's see what happens. He got a peace prize. I figured out something that's actually useful. So I wonder how many other uh, diseases he gave malaria to before he found one that it actually worked. But like... Oh, the spirits got you. Here's some malaria. <laughs> the spirits got you. Or or maybe it was just syphilis. He just found people with syphilis, and he was like, you know, I think you need a good case of the plague. Maybe that'll fix this right on up. We're just going to bake the syphilis out of you by making you 140 degrees. <laughs> so, to be fair, uh, apparently he did find minor bits of success with a strand of syphilis called neurosyphilis. And he actually got some positive results. And I don't know if that's as creepy as the very fact that he convinced people with syphilis that he was going to give them malaria on top of it. Of course, I'm thinking now, you know, we look at syphilis and it's a pretty minor infection. We, you know, if we catch it early enough, we can give you antibiotics and cure it and it doesn't cause too much problems. But, you know, if we're talking neurosyphilis, I mean, that's pretty significant. I mean, we're talking very late stages of syphilis there, so... Maybe they weren't even in the right mind, and he was just like, here, here's some malaria. Yeah, way back before uh, review boards were like, whoa, 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 Chucko. <laughs> you want to give a life-threatening disease to someone that's already got a life-threatening disease? Also, to the point, I like how you said, it's a minor 
in- infection. Ben, I'm telling you right now, if you hear me say the words, I've got syphilis, shit is going down. <laughs> so... I was putting it into a frame of reference as, you know what, it's not as bad as herpes, or it's not as bad as uh, some of your viral infections that we can't get rid of, you know, because, you know, what stays in Vegas, or what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except for herpes, because that shit will come back with you. Well, apparently, yeah, apparently a little malaria sprinkled on top of your case of syphilis, and you're all fixed up. Now we know. Now we know. And I don't know. It just still weirds me out that he actually found some success with it. So that's just crazy to me. But since we're talking about curing things, what happens if we don't cure things? What's that thing we do if we don't cure something, Ben? Well, Tom, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking it's probably a bad day if you're on the autopsy table. Would you agree? Well, I don't know if I'd care. (laughs) If I'm on an autopsy table, I don't think I'd give a shit. And I would think most people, you would probably be right. But, you know, it is Halloween, and so we kind of wanted to, you know, I was looking for something a little bit spookier. How about a zombie story, Tom? Or as close to a zombie story as we're going to get. I do like the zombie stories. So there is a man from Venezuela. His name is Carlos Camejo, and I probably mispronounced that. And if I did, hey, I'm sorry. However, he was declared dead after a car accident, and... You know, it's a bad deal. The doctors declared him dead. They uh, sent him to the morgue. The people who do the autopsies there, they decided, okay, we're going to start working on this autopsy. They started cutting into his face, and he started bleeding, which, if anybody knows, generally dead bodies don't bleed. Also, I would like to go, hey, Venezuela doctors, uh, isn't the Y incision the first thing you should be cutting? Like, why did they just go, hey, let's just cut this dude's face and see what happens? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they went to the face first, but they did. So he started bleeding. So then they uh, went, oh, shit, this probably isn't good. And so they sewed his face up real quick. And then he woke up in unbearable pain. Now, his wife had been notified that her husband had passed away. She was headed to the morgue to identify the body, only to find him hanging out in the live. So, I mean, that's kind of weird. Well, mostly because, one, his electric penis belt had fallen off somewhere, so he's probably very upset about that. And two, he was probably, what would make my day worse is sitting there like, wow, I was in a morgue table, and my wife comes around the corner all happy, and I'm like, wait a second, didn't you think I was dead? And she's like, oh, wait, you're alive? Oh, no. And I'm like, wait a second, whoa, what? What's going on here? Not everybody's wife would be happy they were dead, Tom. Not everybody's. There's a good chance mine, though. And she's going to listen to this to be... Yeah, anyway. But uh, Reuters did reach out to the hospital to try to confirm the events. The hospital, for whatever reason, decided not to uh, comment. But uh, he actually has the document ordering his autopsy. So he was dead, and now he's alive. So he's a zombie. And tying back into the Dr. Death episode, I'm just like, wow, I wonder what's going on here. Like, how bad did that doctor have to screw up to, to, to announce this guy dead? Send him to a morgue. And also, did we ever find out? Okay, so here we go. Did they ever say why he was unconscious for that long? Like, did he have, like, some kind of spinal injury and he just couldn't move? Or Well, it said they had moved him to, like, a different uh, area when his wife came in. So I'm assuming that he was able to move. He just may have had a... A prolonged unconsciousness, and of course, the story doesn't really go into details. But you'd have to be unconscious for quite a while to be from the scene to the hospital to the morgue. I mean, you're looking at—I I would assume, unless they're just Johnny on the spot, 
at least a couple hours of unconsciousness. Well, maybe he had gotten a fight with his wife, and he just didn't want to deal with it. Now, there we go. Now we're getting on it. Here's some murder she wrote bullshit going on right here. Like, this dude was like, oh, I just lost all my money gambling because, you know, shit like that happens or whatever. I'm dead, baby. And then he just lays there. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get out of it. But it didn't work. Yeah, his plan was full was foolproof until they started cutting his face open. Right? And even the scar that they showed, because they had a picture uh, in the article of his scar, it's like his on the side of his cheek, which is just a really weird place to start an autopsy with. Like, why are we going to just, like, cut his cheek off? I, 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 the whole thing sounds, it sounds weird as hell to me. So, not only did they not do a Y incision first, but I've been to an autopsy, and at no point do I remember in any of the autopsies, the pathologist going, now we're going to dissect the cheek. Right? What? <laughs> what uh, what's going on in Venezuela? Maybe that's a whole episode. Venezuela medicine. Don't go there. Right? <laughs> or at least don't get sick there if you do go there. Yeah, it's, it's a great country unless you need health care. And then leave. <laughs> Immediately. Yes. Mm. Well... Since we're we're talking about funny things, I have a real doozy. This made me laugh because, well, I don't have to deal with it. So, <laughs> another another old timey device because, uh, whoa, these guys really knew what to do back then. Have you ever heard of a spermatorrhea ring? No, but judging by the name, I'm going to speculate to the location to which you were to wear or use said ring. Uh, yeah, I. It's the anti uh, electric belt. This is supposed to do the opposite, Ben. This is Victorian-era medicine again, because, boy, those guys just knew how to have a really good time. So what they decided was, and, and again, I couldn't find out why, but basically they thought masturbation was the devil. Okay, so one Victorian story, we got the, uh, you know, your, your wiener's not working, so we're going to try to fix it. And this one, apparently, uh, it's working too well. Yeah, exactly. So now your wieners are working too well, right? We got to tamp that shit down. Well, apparently it's okay for the penis to function if there's another person present. They just didn't want you, you know, uh, discharging your own firearm. <laughs> Self-gratification. Yeah, exactly. They didn't like that. So what the spermatorrhea ring was, was a small, well, not for me, ring that you would fit over. <laughs> yeah, did you just catch up to that? Yeah. It was a small, flexible metal ring that would fit snugly over the penis while flaccid. And then on the outside of that ring, within a second ring, was a set of metal teeth. So that if the man were to become aroused... Whew. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have a... Uh, uh, circular saw blade basically cutting into your junk. That takes using teeth to a whole new level there, doesn't it, Tom? Oh, well, I'll tell you right now, these guys really knew how to ruin your day, because if they weren't shocking your dick, they were trying to chop it up. So, I, but here's the thing, alright, so not only was that terrifying to me, the thought of like, wait, you want me to hook a metal ring around my junk? Right. Was, they said it was for anti-masturbation, but then they never explained what ailments that they believed masturbation was causing. Like, if they at least said, hey, masturbation is causing tuberculosis, and we don't want to have to cut your chest open, uh, put this on, and I'm not saying I would still do it, but okay, I get what you're saying. You're trying to prevent me from getting sick. It just seemed like these guys didn't want to have a good time. Yeah, that makes me wonder, like, why would you willingly, I mean, 
That's what I, I, that's, I, I agree with you. I wonder what would make you want to put this on. Yeah, I, I, it's it's like these guys were just randomly making shit up every time they did something. Like, hey guys, I got this great idea. I don't like it when guys jerk off. Don't ask me why. I just don't like it. So I would tell them to make them sick. And here's this little metal ring with teeth in it to make sure that they can uh, have a good time. Yeah, you know that's uh, who. And I don't remember what. And I would have to look it up. And like the number of times per day that a man gets aroused, I'm, 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 I know there's like a national average, but that would make for like a, a very bad day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, maybe they just didn't get aroused that often back then. First of all, I'm sure there's no data. Like, nobody was going to willingly admit it. I mean, if they're trying to strap a metal ring around your junk for getting excited, I would, no, I never get excited. I don't know what you're t- excited. What's that? I don't even know what's going on. Like, I wouldn't admit to shit if they were trying to torture me for it. But the, I just, I don't know what it is. And certainly they obviously didn't have Pornhub or something back then. So I guess they didn't have to worry about that. No, but, you know, you think about, you know, think back to when you were a teenager. I mean, you know, the wind blew just right and you, you know, <laughs> need to walk around with your book bag in front of you for the rest of the day, you know, so. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Of course, 16 back then, they were probably married with three kids. So who the fuck knows? I don't know. True. <laughs> they, 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 you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to die of the tuberculosis. Doctor wants to cut my chest open here soon. So maybe, but it's it just, just the thought of somebody thinking that this was a good idea scares the shit out of me. Well, Tom, as you were talking about that uh, ring, um, I threw it in my Google machine and holy hell, that thing looks horrendous. Um, like, we, we will have to throw a picture up on social media of this one also because, wow. But uh, what I was reading, because it, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm, I kind of, uh, the, the device is scary. So, <laughs> anyway, so the, apparently it wasn't just men that had problems with masturbation, Tom. Uh, the article that I, when I found this ring that you're talking about, if women were habitual masturbators, they recommended burning out the clitoris with carbolic acid as a, quote, excellent means of allaying the abnormal excitement and preventing the recurrence of the practice, unquote. Holy <laughs> fuck. That is ridiculous. Yeah. That, ooh. Yeah, those Victorian doctors, they sure didn't know how to pick them. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, man. All right, well... Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I was saying, yeah, let's talk about something way cooler than uh, burning junk off. How about yeah. that? Why don't you jump into our next one? So, so this I found highly interesting, and I'm actually kind of mad this doesn't exist anymore. Heroin cough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so the Bayer Company made a heroin-based cough syrup. That was primarily for children, no less. And literally, one of the advertisements I saw, the it was marketed primarily between 1899 and 1912. In 1914, they said, "You oh, you can still get it. You just need a prescription. So that means this was over-the-counter from 1899 to 1912. 1914, you had to get a prescription. You could get this in America all the way up until 1924 until it was finally banned. Bayer, huh? Yeah, way to go, guys. Hey, that's stock options I'd have bought. Hashtag not just aspirin anymore. <laughs> it, was, it was marketed for cough, bronchitis, 
irritation. That's all it said. Irritation. <laughs> for your kids. And yeah, for your kids. And then one of the advertisements literally said one dose and the cough goes away. And I was thinking, well, no shit. They're in a fucking coma. Yeah, that's interesting. Heroin cough syrup. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I I mean, I would have got a lot of good sleep, I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> and nowadays, you know, with the uh, opioid epidemic, you uh, you know, some people are uh, getting a very long nap with some of that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't saying I was going to take it. You give it to your kid, boom, that's an instant freaking 12-hour sleep right there. Which, uh, you know, when I said something about the opioids, it just triggered in my brain, not that we covered... A story that we already missed, but uh, did you see that they have a the FDA has approved a new opioid that's like I think it was like a hundred times stronger than morphine? No, I did not see that. Yeah, I seen a story about it. Uh, I don't remember the name. We'll we may cover that in a future episode, but it can only be administered by the provider. Like it, it, I mean, it's not like a prescription. It's a uh, like for like end stage cancer and things of that nature. But gotcha. Yeah, kind of interesting that you know we're in the middle of an opioid epidemic and then we're getting. Significantly stronger medication to FDA approval. Well, those guys have probably already had it in research and development. They're not going to lose all that money. They're going to find a way to get that out. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, the old heroin cough syrup. So Halloween back in the day was, here's your apple. Here's a couple drop of the old bear heroin cough syrup. And the kids were all happy. Oh, grandpappy's cough syrup. Here you go. <laughs> well, now I understand why that phrase came about. See? Yeah, heroin. That's why. <laughs> heroin. Yeah, I saw another one. Um, it wasn't by Bear, but it was another cough syrup that basically had, it did have some opium, morphine, alcohol, and something else in it. And I was thinking, Jesus, like, how are these kids not going into respiratory failure every time they had a cough? Well, and if they did, they were, you know, it was the 1800s or 1900s. They were like, well, the spirits got them. And that's the end of it, you know? And it was like, well, a little bit. I diagnosed you with death. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, Ben, we've, we've covered, uh, covered lots of things, and junk seems to be your, uh, yeah, your forte I, today. I don't know what's up with that. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, had a, a listener send this request in or say, hey, you know talk more about this one uh did you know tom that physicians invented vibrators actually ben i did know that i for uh females yes for females so back in the day they would uh diagnose females with hysteria and the treatment for said hysteria was uh you know double clicking the mouse a little bit or uh not self-gratification because we don't want to burn your clitoris off with some carbonic acid but what you do is you come on into the doctor's office and he'll uh, take care of that for you with manual stimulation to orgasm because orgasm was the treatment for hysteria for females. Now, I'm sure that this is back before Jayco, obviously, but I've got to think that, <laughs> that patient satisfaction scores were relatively high back then. Now that you say that, I, I actually saw... A uh, female comic actually said that she goes. She thought medicine was taking a step back because heroin used to be prescribed for a cough, and they used to have orgasms for a headache. What the hell have we been doing? Right, you can go to the doctor and oh, I'm hysteric. Well, here you go. Well, this was happening so frequently with physicians back then that their hands were getting tired, hands cramping up, and apparently, you know, when you got 
30 ladies with hysteria on your schedule that day, it's going to be a long day for you. So they invented the vibrator to allow this mechanical device to stimulate the woman to orgasm. And hence the vibrator was born. And now there's a billion dollar vibrator industry all off because, uh, female hysteria. Well, Ben, I, there, there's days where I wonder if I was born in the wrong era <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, and, and could you imagine being a doctor every day coming home and your wife's like, how was your day? <laughs> well, oh, you know, old Mrs. Jones had to take care of that business. So, yeah, that was just hysteria to the left of me. Hysteria to the right <laughs> of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just chock full of hysteria around here. It's amazing how many women have hysteria. And I'm sure I wouldn't, I'm just going to speculate, Tom, I'm just going to speculate that if the physician was uh, an attractive male, I'm betting that he had a higher preponderance of hysteria cases. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Oh, because actually I was just thinking, I was like, how come I have zero hysteria patients, but I've got 12 dudes lining up for electric penis belts? Like, what, (laughs) what did I do wrong in life that I don't get one hysteria patient? Well, you were born in the wrong era, Tom. Well, I, yeah, but if I wasn't going to get any hysteria patients, like, I like air conditioning too much. Like, I wouldn't live back then. Like, like uh, Tom is built for cold weather, so me and air conditioning go along real well. Right. Well, yeah. The, so let's go from vibrators to, uh, <laughs> let's just go a little bit around the corner. What do you say, Tom? So, <laughs> one of the creepiest things. Oh, my God. This when is, I was looking up creepy stuff. To, uh, end the episode shall we say yeah yes end the episode so ben um hemorrhoid remedies ancient i should say ancient i mean that sounds like way far back but medieval hemorrhoid remedies have you seen or read about any of those no um judging from your dental key story and your horrible penis ring I'm betting that the the hemorrhoid treatments probably not going to be much better. So this has been a problem apparently since medicine was medicine. So damn. But so the first couple pictures I found were dating all the way back to the 12th century. And uh, I can't say what I like. Oh, basically, Ben, the hemorrhoid treatment that was depicted in a weekend basically get from what medical diaries were left over from then was the patient would bend over. Okay. And the doctor would get an iron piece of or iron rod or iron poker. Mm, Oh, okay. You're losing me, but go ahead. And then they'd heat it up. Oh yeah. Okay. And then, uh, just aim for the bullseye, apparently. Ooh, so they just just burn the evil hemorrhoid out of you, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the spirits were awfully strong that day, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. You, see, that's yeah. That's the cost are for beforehand, because... You'd have thought, but they hadn't invented heroin yet, or at least not in cough syrup form. But yeah, these dudes were bending over... And letting people stick iron, white hot iron pokers into their butthole <laughs> to fix this. I mean, 
the smell alone that day, because you can't imagine the hygiene's that high on the list in 12th century. Like, holy. Yeah, boy, you know, that physician's got to go from a hysteria case to a hemorrhoid case. <sighs> yeah, that's terrible. So, in an, in so that's ex- in order to ev- do what? So, so that's like an ex- external hemorrhoid. Yeah, that's the external. So what I was going to say is I, I don't – they didn't really specify if it was internal until later on. So the next device for hemorrhoids – and by the way, I didn't specifically put in hemorrhoid. I, I actually started research for this by just putting in like old-time medical treatments, and that's how I found some of these. And the second one I found where they thought they were a little more advanced – is they basically had these two wooden sticks, okay. and they would cl- clamp it down over the hemorrhoid and just tighten it like a tourniquet oh, oh. until it cut off the blood flow, and they'd leave it there. <laughs> and then eventually the hemorrhoid would dry up and fall off. And when the clamp fell off, that's how they knew it was time. So Calf banding or whatever, you know, where they pan the balls? Off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So to get even more, so... Yeah, if you're wondering, so what do you do for an internal hemorrhoid? Right, yeah, I mean, that's, so clearly the blocks of wood smashing your hemorrhoid together is going to be an external hemorrhoid. Okay. So. Yeah, so they're like, hmm, so the iron hot poker is not going to work on this one, and we got these nifty wooden blocks apparently now. So they would take a small pencil-sized little iron hook, put it through the internal hemorrhoid, and yank it out your butthole. <laughs> And I'm using all high-definition high, uh, medical terms right here, people. <laughs> and then clamp down the internal hemorrhoid, which is now external, and uh, repeat until you had no hemorrhoids. The first hemorrhoidectomy. But how, how the hell do they know they were getting hemorrhoids and not, like, colon? I mean, like, could you imagine them sticking that in there and or pulling out your prostate or something? I mean, good lord. I, well, you know, these are the same group of people... That, you know, we're like, well, I, I want to help you, but, you know, the tree god is mad today, so I can't fucking help you. So, I don't really know if they gave a shit. Like, they'd be like, oh, I hit colon, it must have been a really big hemorrhoid. So. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to go dig into this, and then they pull your tongue out. Like, whoa. I may went a little far. <laughs> whoa, Jim. I went too far. That's okay. I'll give you some of this uh, cough syrup I'm inventing. And we'll fix all that right up. We'll just rub a dead mouse on it. It'll be fine. Yeah, you don't have a cough, do you? Because I know this other thing I've been working on. <laughs> so. Well, Tom, that. Well, Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, woo. I I mean, I, I would love to do another episode on spooky shit from back in the day. But damn. I mean. Yeah, I'm not going to go take a shower after this one because I feel dirty just. And pain. Uh, I need some ibuprofen and to like sit in the like the Jim Carrey scene and amazement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go uh, lay on my floor in the fetal position and cry for a little while. Yeah, you know, at least mine were. You know, yeah, no, I, I got nothing. This was a this was a hell of an episode. <laughs> well, it's not like I was like, hmm, what's the worst thing I can do to people? I just put in. Like old time remedies or shit. Jeez, and that's why people lived till they were thirty five. <laughs> well, if you had somebody ripping your butthole out with an iron hook, uh, do you want to keep going? <laughs> or maybe maybe this is what uh, it's precipitating. Okay, so like you know, in our area, we have like old farmers 
who you know they don't ever go to the doctor's office. And so when they're cut, when they do come in, like clearly it's legitimately a, you know, it's usually like a pretty like a pneumonia or something. Like by the time they get in, because they don't ever come in. Maybe this is why. Like it was passed down to them. Like, hey, you 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 don't go to the doctor's office because they're gonna electrify your balls and shove iron pokers up your butt. <laughs> well, I mean, at least that makes sense. But I don't know how well my health system, you know, PR department would like it if. Come to Tom. He won't shove a poker up your butt. <laughs> like I don't. I don't think they're going to appreciate that much. So yeah. Well, Tom, you ready to uh, put a bow on this interesting, interesting episode? Yeah. I mean, Ben, what do you think we're going to do about the oh social media for this episode? Well, Tom, since you said social media, and we're at the end of the episode, and I'm sure that people are. Cringing just as much as we are talking about it, listening to it, and hopefully we're we may need to have Sean add that we're not responsible for any car wrecks either. Um, <laughs> but since you said social media, you can reach out to us and join the conversation. If you want to talk about this episode or any of our episodes, you can reach out to us. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast, or you can find us on the website www.justsomepodcast.com, or you can email us admin at justsomepodcast.com. And again, if you guys would just use our link or our Amazon affiliate, that would really help out the show. We appreciate everything you guys do for us. And like I said, this money isn't for us. We're not going to be getting rich off that. It's just something so that we can put a little extra money into equipment or software for the show. And again, I just want to point out to everybody, if uh, I had one person say, hey, Tom, you sound a little distance or something. So if I sound strange this episode again, I apologize. I'm working on a head cold here. And if you have any other complaints, please let us know, and we will take it out immediately on Sam the Fact Checker or Kyle the Sound Engineer because it's clearly their fault, not ours. Well, Tom, you know, you said you have a head cold, so I've been working on this new device that I think might help. It's a belt <laughs> that you wear, and it's just a, it's just a mild voltage Mild. I just need someone to give me some of that good old fashioned grandpappy's cough syrup if they still have some. Right. But anyway, Tom. So, uh, do we want to tell everybody what our next episode is going to be about? I think Ben. It's it's going to be a stretch as far as application for advanced practitioners, but I think it's going to be something that we don't deal with a lot. So it's going to be educational for all of us. I think we're going to cover uh, transplant. Yeah, we're going to cover. Uh like organ donation, transplants, talking to patients about that, you know, looking at maybe some of the reasons why people don't and some of the statistics behind how we do. And, Tom, it's going to be the first time that we have a guest. What? Yeah, we got a special guest next week, so you'll have to tune in to find out who that special guest is and what they have to do with transplants. Well, I am on the edge of my seat. Well, don't fall off. Yeah, because I don't want to get a dental key or a dead mouse in my butt. <laughs> uh, don't lay down on the autopsy table if you're not dead. <laughs> yeah, my wife will be jumping for joy until she finds out I'm alive. But having said all that, Ben, I think this is Tom signing off. And this is Ben. Have a great week. <laughs>